Great pass from Diomantidis. The lob is done! There go, 40 minutes to a title. David Blue to three. On the mark, David Blue! Oh, now Spinelli's driving inside. Look for the alley League Sweet 16, exactly what you need. As ever, we are up on SoundCloud and we are, of course, uh, on wherever you get good podcasts. So be sure to search for Your League Sweet 16 to subscribe and get the episodes as soon as they drop. Hello and welcome to Your League Sweet 16, the place where, well, we're still trying to figure out where Emmett is, but, you know, all is good. As ever, I'm Moshe from Team Scout with me, my great friend and co-host. We have Lewis with us. In Tel Aviv, it's sunny, I think it's safe to say. Lewis, how's Scotland right now? Scotland is Scotland. It is so grey and wet. Winter. Winter has came. Winter has came. We're going to leave it aside for a sec that every time we did, like I mentioned, a reference of winter is coming, you know, all hell broke loose. And I think it's safe to say that if we're just before the uh, first double rounder for the 21-22 season, safe to say all hell's about to break loose. But Lewis, you were the, the, the last person to contact Emmett. Where is he exactly this time? Last I heard from him, the signal wasn't great. He was on a canoe in the Danube, somewhere between Budapest and Belgrade. I don't know. Canoeing. Canoeing in the Danube. Yeah, that sounds about right. So while Emmett is canoeing uh, somewhere between Budapest and Belgrade, wherever he is right now, I, I think it's time, isn't it? It is time. It is time to get to the most inaccurately named segment in all of sports and entertainment today, the four-minute warning. Four minutes to get through all the action that just happened in EuroLeague. It's the four-minute warning. So, um, I'd say surprising week, at least when, when I'm looking at the predictions that we've made. We've seen quite a few surprises. Lewis, let's start with the first game. Where do you want to start this week? Let's go with uh, Zalgiris Zenit. That was the first game of the, the card, if you will. Not a surprise result. I think I think we both predicted Zenit would come out on top. Big news from that game, or the aftermath of that game, was we have our first coach in the bin. Yeah, we sure do. And I think that perhaps the, um, the best thing, I would say, of it all is that no one saw it coming. And I'm saying it is the best thing because when we all saw it, we were like, what? Yeah. I was just like, when you look at it, I think, okay, I had probably two coaches ahead of him that would be in the hot seat, and now he's gone. Bringing Yuri, I, I said to you when it happened, I said, that's that's not who I would have went for. But when you look at how much change the Zalgiris rosters went through this summer, I think someone's hit the panic button really quickly, and they could come to regret that. Usually, the panic button is hit like after a four-game losing streak. There was legit something like that. That was like the uh, the pattern, I'd say. Not, not even pattern, but... You saw teams panicking when they reached that like milestone. Okay, we lost four in a row. Now that's an issue because when you're in this format of the EuroLeague, well, I'm going to do a Metallica reference and it's somewhat unforgiven, uh, but it is what it is. It's like you see Jagres, but throughout the preseason, I mean, they had crazy amount of workouts. The results never really came. And I know it's preseason, but the question is, and again, we did not get to see Jagger's playing their preseason games. We only saw early games. And when you 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 start off the season with an 0-2 record, okay, this is understandable, especially for teams in, in such magnitude. But, and here's the real kicker. Was there a graph of improvement? Did you see anything out of the ordinary that you could say, okay, I can count on this. We can build on A, B, and C, and maybe just grow with time. But if you didn't see anything of that sort, maybe, you know, yeah, the panic button was too early, but 
maybe it was justified. Maybe they, you know, they decide why we shouldn't prolong this. Let's cut ties right now. The question is, the replacement is enough because Yuri's Dutch. It's been like, what, over a decade since it's been like in Euroleague? Yeah, easily. I mean, he won, what, EuroCup Coach of the Year in 2012, I think. But he's, he's been he's been away a while and the problems with this roster are still there. Like, Moody, he needs time. Do they have enough scoring? And they, they ran into a good Zenit team, which is probably what made it more surprising. No one really expected them to beat Zenit, but I don't want to sound the alarm. I would be worried about this Kaunas team. Yeah, well, you know, they did sound the alarm, but let's talk Zenit. They started the season 2-0 and essentially without one of their main guys. At the end of the day, they needed the result. You know, that's that's what they should take, the win. When Shabazz will be back, yeah. should they play like this? I'll say, you know, maybe we can be worried. Okay, so then we move on to the next game, which was probably... A surprise that it was a surprise for me. I think it was a surprise for you. Going about you, Panathinaikos. In a way, it was and it wasn't. Okay, because it, it was because they lost to Panathinaikos. Who signed Yogi Ferrell? That's a great name to sign, but whenever you bring in a guy from overseas, which is that, that's like his first stop in Europe, you want you know it, it's going to take him time to get into rhythm. So unless you got a guy who's equivalently talented and already good and a part of the system, this could turn out and you know just bite you in the ass. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I think it's a good move, and it's it's probably what this roster needs because. Yogi Ferrell, he can get downhill, he's fast, he can drive. Probably could play a, a bit alongside Nedovic, who had a phenomenal evening. He had the, he had the game that we said in episode one, he needs to have every week to Panathinaikos one to have a good season. He had a good game. Fernabachi, on the other hand, Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, they, they're missing guys. Now, some might say that it was a controversial fit, you know, end to the game, but at the end of the day, they should have killed the game. Like, they had the game, they had, yeah. they had the advantage, so that's the way I see it. And you talked about Fenner. I mean, Lewis, it was you said they were like one guy away. Last week, we said they're, okay, this could be like, you know, just two guys away. Are we feeling safe to say that maybe it's like three guys now? I, I wouldn't go as far as three guys. I think the, the biggest issue is Pierre Henry is a ball-dominant point guard. He needs the ball in his hands. So does Jan Vesely. Jan Vesely led this team in assists, if I remember correctly. He did. He had five assists. So the, your two leading assists, Marco Goodrich, Jan Vesely. Pierre Henry played nearly 30 minutes of basketball and only got two assists as your lead point guard. That, that just doesn't work. They, they do need more scoring. But I think I need to work out everyone's roles on the team. I mean, Jan Vesely, he is a phenomenal aerial target, as is Achille Polinara. And they played together before. Polinara, he's on, not on my panic button, per se, but he's not gelling with this team the same way he did with Basconia, where he was nonstop energy, relentless. A one-man wrecking crew, if you will. You know, maybe that's the problem. We see a lot of players that are moving like from team to team, right? And, and then you're like, okay, maybe that was the level of the team that they were you know, best suited for. But you look at this version of Fenner, it's not like hitting the, the panic button. It's more of a will they, how they, you know, and it's not a bouncing matter. Just like gelling, it's a matter of understanding each other. And if, if we're not going to see an improvement in the coming weeks, Maybe, maybe Fenner should start getting a bit worried, but I'm not just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried just yet. No, I mean, there's definitely, there's room for improvement. Nando De Colo, he's played, he's played Euroleague for far too long. He's not interested in early October. If they're still playing this way next month, then, then it's a different conversation. So yeah, nothing, nothing new learned, I would say in that case. Let's watch the situation in Yogi Ferrell. Now, let's go closer to you, closer to the sun. What happened in Maccabi Svena's Vesta? Okay, remember when we talked about like not having a preseason? So Zvezda had like the perfect preseason, you know, as much as you can say. 
even though they've lost like Aaron White, Serbs for short term, Bronco Lazic did not start a season, and Austin Hollins did not even play this game because, well, they did not want to risk him. And the thing is here that Zvezda, when you're looking execution, when you're looking two games in a row in a EuroLeague where they just mess things up for their opponent like they are not allowing you to breathe I mean their defensive scheme was impressive it's like and okay listen you might claim that Maccabi it, it, it wasn't that much of a challenge in a lot of them you know in a manner of speaking just because Maccabi did not really had the time to, to gel they did not really have the time to they're not in a the place they're supposed to be in terms of both offensive and defensive coordination at this point in time is it a reason for worry hells yes but we knew that going into the season but like that's something we brought up in the first episode saying that this is something Something to to pay attention to now in a couple of weeks maybe three if we're not going to see any graph of improvement that's like legit straight up panic button i'm not even saying start to think start to wonder whether we should could no you hit the panic button now Maccabi's biggest concern i think was the point guard position it starts from there look preseason tournament we saw what could be right with the uh, uh league preseason tournament and, yeah. you know, Byron, we saw Scotty dominating the way Scotty did. Yo, in terms of points, he also had a great game against Vesda, but he mm. should. Points. Points. Okay. Now, he should be the, uh, uh, say, secondary ball handler, right? Yeah. Second, secondary ball handler. So when he becomes the first ball handler, when he's their main guy, you know, he'll do his stuff because that's Scotty. Like, he's super talented. Yeah. But they really need, like, the point position. Now, arguably, they need more talent with the guys that had COVID, whoever they may be. And it's okay. But again, there are signs of you know guys needs to step up quick or the season is going to become an extremely long season for them yeah definitely i mean i think that the biggest worry for me was just how disjointed mccabe looked defensively they made nate walters look like fucking steph curry like i'm so, like, he did he's just every time i was jumping between games and every time i went to mccabe it was like oh nate, nate walters is going off but i went and after a while you're watching it I went no he's not going off it's just he's not being guarded yes mccabe need another ball handler we'll give him a few weeks and see if they can figure that out internally but yeah it's best to have been a pleasant surprise Maccabi have been for me pretty much where I expect them to be at this point Zvezda though should just when you think about how look, two games in a row when they make their opponents spit blood essentially and wish they were yeah. in a different place a happy place they, they went legit to their happy place during the game you know what this is a team to look out for yeah and then probably moves us straight on to a team we thought would be a lot worse than last season Bayern I, I, I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed watching this game because I would say Barcelona were required to turn up. Bayern didn't, didn't go down without a fight. First quarter, fairly even. Second quarter, Barcelona came in and went, OK, we need to play. And I think they, by, I think, memory serves. End of the first quarter, it was a tie game. End of the second quarter, Barcelona were up double digits. But then Bayern clawed it back. Bayern weren't going away without a fight. Deshaun Thomas was vintage. Deshaun Thomas, just nice, easy baskets, used his body. If I had one complaint, played nearly 31 minutes of basketball and did not get to the line. That that was kind of summarized the entire Bayern roster. They just, I wouldn't say they're soft, but they don't seem to get to the line very often. I think they got to the line 10 times against Barcelona. Barcelona, yeah. I think they are they are as legitimate as we thought. I think I am. I know. I think I am. I am worried about the volume Corey Higgins has taken on this early in the season. I go obviously they're without Abrines, and that was maybe the the weakest part of their roster was the wings when we discussed it. But if he's if he like they've got I'm going into a double game week, if he's having to play back to back games of thirty plus minutes, Corey Higgins ain't young. Yes, phenomenal athlete. He looks after himself, but there's a lot of mileage on those legs, and they don't need him now. They need him in May. No doubt. I think they'll get him in May. The question is in what shape. Yeah. Like, li- listen, he, he's a straight-out killer. We've we've seen him. We've seen him kill uh, time and again. Uh, but to me, it's like 
the three-point shooting of Barcelona, like they had a bad game, bad, bad game, like relatively speaking, <laughs> when we're comparing to last week. They still shot yeah. 50% from deep. Uh, will this number continue, you know, to drop? Perhaps, you know, it, it just, nobody shoots that well, unless you have, no. uh, unless you have a JC Carroll and a Corey Higgins and like all these guys that are like, snipers you know they are sniper yeah. specialists but to me it's like you look at byron and it's again another team of coach trinkieri where he takes guys who are becoming beasts inside the paint in terms of just scoring what does it tell you when you see like barcelona's front line you know getting scored upon for two points with 61 percent uh, yeah yeah that, and that's right they, 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 this. That was surprising when I looked at the, the with the box score. I was like, okay, they're getting to like sixty-one percent. The bulk of Bayern's points are coming inside. But why are they not getting to the line? That that's a concern for me. That why are they not getting to the line? They are. I mean, they are playing a brand of basketball. That's get inside, get physical, get close to the basket. But it's not. It's, it's not being illustrated further along the line. Um. Yeah, I'd say Barcelona required to show up, but we got. We kind of got what we expected from both teams at this point in the season. I would agree. Yeah, and when you think about it, the the game in in Tel Aviv and this game, like you know, nothing special about them. When you think about it, like no jobs were lost, you know, no glory was achieved. It's too early to, to achieve glory when you think about it. But you know, just like okay, yeah, that the we got surprised in terms of the score in Tel Aviv because everyone, like you, me, Ari Stanemic, we all anticipated, like we all said in our predictions. And yes, we are getting the predictions, you know, in a WhatsApp group. We're keeping track uh, uh, for now. Very official. Very official. Yeah, yeah. And no one actually went with as best the win. But we're not, like, all of us got, like, a couple games wrong. Some of us more. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can laugh now because you had this week's, you know, the best week. Uh, in a yeah, I had, I had a good week this week. But I, 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 I foresee a terrible week incoming. But speaking of both the good, the bads, and the Mario Hazonia. Let's talk Phoenix Monaco. Yeah. Because that, that was fun. Depends on what's your definition of fun. I mean, what was it good quality, like poetic basketball? No. Was it a bit of chaos? Yes. Yes. And we, we are here. We said it, the disaster factor. And this is no OJ Mayo. Still no OJ Mayo in this Phoenix roster. And they are still managing to make it difficult. Now, I, I, I said that. I actually, I actually quite like Monaco for this game, probably after the first 10 minutes. Phoenix just wouldn't go away. Yeah, they didn't go away. But there is a big but here. When, when, you, when you just look at the game, I mean, when you have games that are getting so close and it's like legit, just like, you know, exchanging blows, uh, you need that one guy. You know, you, you need that Mike James to essentially to make the difference. Uh, yeah. and, and I think in a lot of ways, we said that like Monaco, just because the arrival of Mike James should be like in the mix, like in that bubble. Um, oh yeah. And when you think about it, legit think about it, it's it's like none of us will be surprised if they make it like as the number eight seed, uh, especially when James is like headed for a revenge season. As he he said it, was it him? Like yeah, he said he he said that his words. Um, I would say, and I think this is probably the most impressive thing with Monaco, because Monaco instantly went into a different level of where we expect them in the Euroleague season when they signed Mike James. Has Mike James had that good a season so far? I would say no. I'd be much more impressed with Dante Hall, Paris Lee. He was, he was a big question mark stepping up to the Euroleague level. Paris Lee's been good, but they are almost, they're getting that gravitational pull of someone needs to keep an eye on Mike James. Help. Probably two people need to watch Mike James. And guys like your Paris Lees, your Brock Moltons, Rob Gray, Dante Holt, they're getting this extra space. And yeah, of course, also Danilo 
and usage. So, yeah. Yeah, you know, um, entertaining from an Unix point of view. Before, before Unix point of view, the one thing I do like is, and that's something we haven't discussed, I think, enough, uh, or sorry, mentioned it enough, because, because you know, it's um, when you think about it, just the presence of Leo Vesterman next to Mike James, it's like you have that point guard who's like, that kind of mellow, knows how to control the rhythm, and I, I think they balance themselves out, and, you know, Leo Vesterman's career, when you think about it, like the, the basketball path he had, he should have been in a different place. Like he was considered as one of the top point guards to look to look out for, you know, before the, the injuries and parties. I'm like, the dude is after two ACLs, surgeries, like back injuries, hip injuries, like something that would probably destroy a different, like another. Oh, yeah. And he's still standing tall. This is something that I like. He's not, you know, because of the injuries, he's not that dominant or the best thing that we expected, but he is the best version of himself. Yeah, he's, he's savvy. He plays. He plays like a mature guy. He he knows that he moves. He never moves too fast, too slow. He moves at the right speed. If he needs to burst, he'll burst. If he slows it down, slows it down. And he moves the ball to guys that can make something happen. And Unix to me, I just I love John Brown. I love it. Oh, John Brown's so good. I'm glad you said that. I love John Brown. Um, moves the ball well. Makes the smart play. Hustles. What's more? What's what more do you want? Um. I'm reserving judgment on this Unix team until OJ Mayo arrives. But scrappy, scrappy, and they get they will they will score points. Yeah, I'm not worried about them. I, I will be, however, when when maybe OJ Mayo you know, joins because then the disaster factor could yeah ignites, and then and probably leads us to our second biggest story, which happens pretty much right before we started recording. Kenneth Farid is coming to Europe. Yeah, that's. You know, on, on one hand, you understand why Cheska needed, like, to bring another guy. Kenneth, damn, like, he, he he's a beast. Yeah, I mean, I, I was a big advocate of him coming to Europe for quite a few years because I thought, just because he's slightly undersized for the NBA, he's got all this energy, but the World Cup in Madrid for Team USA, he was a monster. No, I, I get it. The question is, will the backcourt suit him? It's like, it's a question, you know, when you have the Milos, hell yeah, you know, but Lundberg, straight out killer. I love him. I said it like, like he, he, he had a great like, night against FS. And, you know, it, he's consistently good. Like I, he like perhaps the one that went under the radar, like that she would have expected him going from Poland to perhaps a mid-level EuroLeague team. But he made that jump rapidly. And and you saw him. It's like, you know, I'm legit intrigued to see where this career can end up getting for him. But oh, yeah. It's him, it's Hackett, and Hackett is like, he's that guy who controls the rhythm, who was the perfect offensive machine, now a defensive yeah. stopper, well, not just now, but you know what I'm saying, and Kenneth, he needs yeah, he's, to... he's in that, like, Leo Westerman type of mold, just a savvy guy, he knows how to, he knows how to play basketball. Exactly, like, and he's good at it, very good at it. Yeah, very and, good at it. Do you know who had a great night, and this is probably what was more surprising about the Kenneth Freak news when I read it this morning. Voigtman, yeah, you almost had like what a quadruple at, at one point. You thought it's it's head there. It, it was, I mean, it was on the cards at one point that like he was he's no, tri a triple double, yeah. Unless we're counting turnovers, yeah, seventeen <laughs> points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there was that thing one time that even when like last year, uh, uh, two years ago, sorry, I think, well, Phil Hunter had that night of like. A double double, and then he had like he drawn ten fouls, so we call it like a, a oh, out of the right. okay. double double, right. yeah. But you know, it's it's crazy, like when you think about it. Like you expected Voitman 
the one thing, because we're talking chess, I mean, aside of the Kenneth Farid, which is like, could have been three different segments altogether combined, like in terms of length, I'm intrigued with the guards next to him. That's my point. Like he can be definitely like a force to be reckoned with, but. Oh yeah. It's just, it's very similar to Ballon Boy for me, but I'm, in, I'm interested purely as a fan of, oh, I was a fan of Kenneth Farid when he was, you know, scrappy and super energetic and a bit younger. I'm what? interested to see how he adapts to the European game. Bolombo on steroids, you mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a seriously jacked Bolombo. Um, now, do we press the panic button on FS? So glad you asked. Two. So glad you asked this. No. We've been too uh, uh, eager to do that. Like last year, we're not doing it again. Um, the one thing I will say is this. You look at Philip Petrusev, he puts up the crazy numbers. But when you have a guy who's putting... Again, he's too young. I'm not, I'm not asking him to be the best dominant big man in the competition. Hells no. What I am saying is this. When he looked at Chunnelly, right, he made a difference. Like, he was a difference maker. I don't think, as of now, that they have a difference maker in their front court, and this hurts them a bit. Am I worried? No. Last year, they started the season with no Dunstan, without Larkin. By the way, kudos that he managed to like to hide whatever happened to Larkin until he came back. But I'm like straight out when I look at it, it's you know maybe don't forget like they start against Madrid. Yeah, they've had a tough start. But, I mean that's not great. Madrid and Madrid, then Cesca and Moscow. No they will, ideal. They will scare away the competition like in three rounds from now. You know when they get like the teams where that were the ones they can annihilate like you know through the first three minutes of play. I think. So not panicked yet, I would say. Yeah, we just need we need we need Shane Larkin to find a shot. Hopefully he finds a shot all from seven. But you know, early in the season, Shane Larkin is all about the long game. Petrosev, nice. I'm glad to see that he's he's hit the ground running in his first Euroleague season. That was one of the big variables. And I suppose when you talk big variables, that's a nice lead-in to Olympiacos, Real Madrid. Probably the game we were most excited to see based on what we saw in round one. So Two reminders for this game. You asked me to remind you about that last possession, Gershon Yabuseli. What on earth were you doing? And I promised that I would remind you what I said about Olympiacos. So take it from here. I mean, yeah. Okay, do you know what? I, I am, I'm not ready to fully admit I might have underestimated Olympiacos, but they were good. They were really, really good. Um, best Olympiacos team I've seen in a while. And it was the balance across the roster. Everyone knew the role. Everyone done their bit. Shaquille McKissick's a bit of a variable for me. But other than that, no complaints. And Sasha Vesnikov is having an MVP level season after two games. Saying after two games, it's kind of, you know, Emmett named the uh, the previous episode as the annual overreaction kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And rightfully so. I mean, you know, we, we're trying to, well, you know, it's the human tendency to overreact sometimes, especially if... It's just two games. You know, it's just two games. Um, There are some patterns that you can spot, and then you go and you check them if they reoccur in the third round, fourth round, fifth round, or do they disappear when they resurface? But just looking at Olympiacos Real Madrid game, the only overreaction is... Man, we need to see more games like this. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I text you, Joe. Like, this, this is what I want. This is my final. This is my final at the final four. This is my Sunday night in May. This is what I want to see. 
this should be perhaps um, the most climatic end for the season, doesn't it? Oh yeah, like it's, it's, I mean, Real Madrid have the the stacked roster with this like super team, if you will. And Olympiacos have just assembled guys that know how to win Euroleague basketball. And when you look at the stats, I mean, Tyler Dorsey, twelve points were you know in twenty minutes. Vesnikov, as you mentioned, and, and again we're seeing that where Vesnikov is. It's not even slowly, but surely, straight up, like, kind of, uh, you know, just a plan when you seem like he's becoming their guy at the four position with having Printezis backing up that position. Now, you know what? I'll take it any goddamn given Sunday and Monday oh, and yeah. Tuesday, like, throughout the week. Yeah, no, it is. Vesnikov, he seems to have, like, a bit of a, like a, bit of a dog about him this season. He could have five offensive boards against the Real Madrid team with Yabuselli and Tavares. That's not forgetting you, Adam Hangers, Jeff Taylor. Those are big guys. And Vesnikov's getting in there, getting his five offensive boards, creating additional points. Now, I know it's an overreaction. A running segment is going to be for me, when is Rudy Fernandez going to make a three-pointer? Uh, now, I said last week, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about Rudy. I'm not worried about Fab because they'll start making shots. Rudy's now 0 for 9. Fab's 0 for 5. Jeff Taylor, 0 for 2. Real Madrid are a putrid 25% as a team. What, this season or like that's, that's bad. Because this no, game was half yes, of it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. No, it's just, it's 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 alarming is the word I, I, I would use. It's very much alarming. Um, no, I, I mean, Real Madrid, I put them in that FS category. They don't worry about basketball. This Real Madrid are still in basketball games. They're still contending. And I need to talk about Yabuselli. I'm going way, way off track here. What was he doing? Last play of the game. Head down, drive. No, don't drive. You have shooters spotted all around you. Yes, I know the shooters aren't making shots at the moment, but still, if you are down three or more, you've got the ball, you need a three, don't drive. Don't drive into traffic. Tavares is already there. That's just, this is a dumb play. And that was my concern about Yabuselli for this Real Madrid team. He has got a tendency, and you've seen it a lot, Shot fake, drive. Shot fake, and it's head down and drive. That's the concerning part. Head down and drive. The head isn't up. Well, he has the well, body to begin with. He's strong, yeah. but it's not gonna. It's not gonna help. You know. You know what? You're driving inside. You're gonna get like the double man kind of coming at you. Pass the damn ball as soon as the defense reacts. Don't get stuck and then like you know throw the ball up in the air hoping that Tavar that you know Eddie will catch it. But to me, I think that their biggest problem when you're talking about just spacing up the game. It's like Yabusela made like one of three. Now, I'm not saying it's his fault, but, you know, Yabusela was never known as your three-point shooter. Never. Yeah. Like, he's not a Randolph. He's not a Tompkins. Exactly. He's not a stretch kind of guy. And to me, when and if they get back Carroll and when they're going to get Tompkins and Randolph, you know what? Just give him the damn title. Just think about it. Yeah, that was it was good to see two teams. I mean, they they that last quarter they treated that game like game five in the playoffs. That was intense. Yeah, and you know it, it says a whole lot of good stuff about Olympiacos. Should they be consistent? And it it also says a lot about Real Madrid. You know when they get their guys back. To me, it's like yeah, we're gonna have one hell of a season this year. Definitely, if, if it wasn't clear already. And then we move from probably the most exciting game to the, the best nap I have ever had. Albo Berlin, Aspel Villanovan. I said it last week. No, Not was, exciting. And, and, and it delivered. It delivered. It was exciting. Come on. I mean, straight up, okay, I, I said it, episode one, if Wembanyama is not playing, Aspel just aren't appealing at all. Uh, Elio Kobo, I'm slightly intrigued by, but you're there to watch Wembanyama, and we had no Wembanyama. Yeah, I mean, just think about it, like, as much as we are disappointed, think about all the scouts that came to see him, and he, he won't play. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and that's, that's a game, 
it's terrible to say. I kind of penciled him in when you imagine thinking, okay, Berlin, one of the easier games of the season, is a chance for him to get serious minutes. And they've not got they've not got that horrible Euroleague front court that apparently now everyone wants, where everyone is an absolute monster. It is like Space Jam on steroids. I mean, imagine when Banyama in Moscow on a Tuesday night, Militinov when he's back, Kenneth Farid, Johannes Voigtman, Bolomboy, and then you've got Web Banyama who's like like a pen. He's going to get destroyed. He's not going to see a lot of minutes in that game, or he shouldn't see a lot of minutes in that game. Berlin was the opposite of that. Yeah, not not a lot to say about this game. I'm not going to lie. I only watched the highlights this morning. Meh. Okay, Elio Kobo, still still nice, but that's about it. When you talk about Wembanyama, to me, it's like uh, I, I want to watch him against Milodinov. I want to watch him against Kenneth Reed. I want him to get destroyed. Destroyed? Why? Because trust me, you want to see that. Not because you don't want to see the kid doing well, because that's the only way for him to kind of measure up, understand. And you know what? If he finds ways with all of his, you know, because let's be honest, he's still a kid. You know, he's not supposed to be yeah. killing guys like got five, six, seven years on him. In terms of age and maybe even experience, if not more than that, in, the, yeah. in, in terms of professional career. So, if in all of this, he still finds ways to do stuff, that's a big plus for him. That's what I'm saying. That's why I want him to play. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, I suppose it goes back to, and I hate to use this, I'm not comparing the players, but Doncic, Kalinic, Final Four, Kalinic took him to town that first year. And that was when we saw the explosion of angry Luca. Luca was just, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here to kill. I would love to see like when Banyama go through that process. I just, I don't feel Asphalt would probably give him that opportunity because if he's getting killed, it's kind of case of, all right, okay, back to the bench. Let's bring in our physical big man. Okay, I'm, I'm going to find an amazing way to connect this to something you did not see coming, okay? So, okay. hoping you're sitting down now. I'm kidding. I know you're sitting, you're sitting down. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. When you, when you brought up Luca. Uh, it sent me back to that like best of five series versus uh, uh and Panathinaikos assigned um Thanasis Antetokounmpo on him. That is a big, yeah. athletic, mean body <laughs> to go against. And if you're uh, if you're a scout, you would love to see that matchup because you know you got someone who's older, who's much tougher, and you know that Luca is like you know for him, he struggled. You knew that he's got oh, yeah. struggling, but then he found ways. That's the thing, he found ways. He kind of understood, okay, I cannot do this. I'm going to do that. So, and you know what? If you put Luca today in that matchup, he would probably destroy. And that's what I, that is exactly what I mean. Now, why did I bring this up? Two, you know, two reasons. One is obviously Wembanyama. The second is, let's talk Costa Santetokounmpo. Yeah, I actually, when I was watching the highlights back, I thought, we've not really talked about Costa Santetokounmpo. Um, I mean, there, there is a player there, raw, extremely raw, but... He's an, he's an identical player. He's, he's long. He's athletic, and he can make he, he can he can finish around the basket. But I think his role on that Asphalt team is so dependent on Elia Kobo and the other guards feeding him the ball. And I think they're going to struggle to do that against better teams. Well, in the meantime, you haven't noticed it yet. Asphalt are two and zero. Monaco two and zero. And we're going to talk about this in our extra time. Should, should we have it? I actually think that was the last game, right? Oh no, we've got. One more. We've got, honestly, we need to start this. And I'm sorry to any of our Italian-based listeners. No, I know. I'm not going to apologize. I'm sorry. I'm not going to apologize. Come on. There's nothing to say about this game. It's versus Basconia. I, I, you know. Do, do you know what? I'm going to call it early. See, see, based on their domestic form in ACB and EuroLeague, if there was a team I expected to hit the panic button in week two of EuroLeague, it was Basconia. Because they are playing terrible domestically, they're they're looking even worse in Euroleague, and they could they could be forgiven for saying no 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 we need we need change now. But yeah, 
No, we, we have nothing from Basconia except um, Milano, much better Malcolm Delaney this week. But other than that, to Milano, they've got a, ro- a roster of veterans. They are, they're, they're going through the motions quite clearly. So wait, it's not just me. Yeah. Uh, because I expected yeah. them to win, like, with, look, 14 points, that's like a good, a, a good like, you know, point differential. But 78 points from a team like that versus a team like Basconia in their current shape and their lack of, say, muscle under the basket. And with, on paper, the uh, three-point shooting that Milan should have. I mean, we talked about Milan perhaps not being athletic enough, but we knew that they have a bruising team. They got a team. Yeah filled with with legit brawlers so I, I really don't know what to make of it like was it just one game because you know it can happen yeah is- yeah like i mean yeah they're just i mean the two signals for me that they were kind of going through the motions when you're looking at minutes kyle hines 20 minutes datome seven minutes chacho 13 tarzuski 11 no one really no one really played big minutes that i didn't think needed the big minutes malcolm delaney i think needed those minutes under his legs just as a, all right, okay, season starts, time to get going. Um, ended up quite physical. I caught about the fourth quarter. And it did end up like quite a physical game. So it was interesting to see Milan was kind of like, okay, we'll turn up a little bit when we have to. Other than that, no, it was, yeah, they're just going going through it, getting in shape. And I think because it's such an old roster, I think we'll see a much better Milano after, probably after Christmas, after the new year, calendar flips. I think they'll be, okay, now it's time to get ready. Either yes, you know, maybe no. Who knows? Okay, so that takes that covers all the games from last week. Um, amazingly, we actually managed to not panic too much or overreact too much. Well, not this time, but there's always next week. Um, double the trouble. Double the trouble next week. Yeah, you know what? Because because we actually, I think, safe to say that we managed to actually be on time with a four minute warning, like legit for every game. I mean, we we always said four minute warning. We never said. What kind of four-minute warning? Was it like the entire segment? Was it like four minutes to every game? Who knows? I'll just give us extra two minutes on this. Looking at the table, right? You see the French teams 2-0. This is not something that in your wildest dreams you would have expected. Okay, maybe as well because of their opponents. And maybe after Mike James arrived to Monaco, then you, you could have said, yes, the win against Unix, that, that's a big win in my books. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially, I think, when two Mike James split the throws, he got the rebound and missed. Going into the extra period, I thought, okay, that might give Unix just that little bit of energy to think, okay, you know, this is going our way. The ball's bouncing the right way. Monaco just turned it up a gear in the extra period, and they, they were really impressive. What else is impressive is the way that Zvezda has been looking so far, especially on the defensive end. When you, when you talked about Milano and their uh, minute distribution to me, the fact that they are heading to a double rounder and they they had that minute distribution, this means that they might be more fresh in that double rounder. And when you have, like, you know, the age issue on that roster, this is kind of, you know, this is legit gold for them. The more they'll be able to distribute the minutes with this kind of depth, they should be yeah. good in terms of the workload. I mean, when you talked about Fenner seeing, uh, um, you know, when we talked about Atome, uh, sorry, not Atome, no, played just seven minutes with Milan. But when you're talking about Decolo playing and expecting yeah. him, that's the exact difference. This is exactly what we're talking about. Now, Olympiacos, yes, I expected him to be 2-0. Also, Barcelona. Um, Zenit, also, Real Madrid, 1-1, one one, you know. Either way, like, you know, because their, two, their first two games were against, like, such teams. 
The one thing yeah. that, like, um, I think the biggest surprise essentially is Shagari's because of both Yuri's Dovch and uh, uh, essentially cutting ties with Martin Schiller. As for the, uh, you know, Byron 2 0, Maccabi 1 1, because of the circumstances, not that big of a surprise. Anadolu FS, because of their rivals and because of, you know, they kind of started eh, sluggish last year. We're saying, okay, maybe surprising, yeah. not terrifying. And that's about it. Yep. Now, I'm assuming that this legit covers it all. So I think it's time to go to the games of the week. And by games, we mean plural. We're going to have four games to choose on two different rounds. Yes, this is the first double rounder, which means we're going we're gonna to do it good. We're going to do it fast because, you know, the games begin on Tuesday and we're on Saturday right now. Yes, this is perhaps the time where we actually, you know, unveil when we record this episode. So, you know, you can actually enjoy and tune into. So, Louis, uh, you know, we... Okay, the games of the week, it's actually... I actually had a look at it. I thought, okay, this pretty much race itself. Um, for me, first game of the week on the Tuesday night, Seska Zenit, Russian Derby, both teams playing well. Interested to see if we see any of Kenneth Farid in that one. Going to the Wednesday night, Barcelona, Olympiacos. That's, that's a test for both teams. I'm interested to see what version of Olympiacos we get and how Barcelona manage their minutes in that one. Okay, so my predictions for the first game day of the doubleheader are Unix, Seska, Fener, Efez, Maccabi, Panathinaikos, and then for the Wednesday night, Svesda, Real, Olympiacos. Okay, I hear you. Uh, just so you know, Aris always had that home team rule. Used to, to say no home teams, they 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 have the edge, but I'm not so sure about this round, honestly. So my games to watch, I, I would have went with Cheska's in it, but the circumstances, you know, no Shabazz Napier on the one hand, no Nikola Milodinov, maybe yes, about Kenneth Farid. So to me, uh, I'm going with uh, uh, actually Maccabi Milan, though I, I was intrigued about Unix Byron. My picks are Unix, Cheska, Fenner, uh, Anadolu FS. Maccabi, Panathinaikos in my books, you know, they won at home, but there is still not a complete team. And Basconia, as bad as they are right now, they'll have to get a win. So why not now? What? Okay. Yeah, okay. Now, as you know, we're recording on Saturday morning, so I'm just assuming my co-host is still in a bar somewhere if he's picking Basconia, but we move on. I know I may still be like, you know, having the uh, um, hangover effects of, like, you know, just the weekend. Uh, Zvezda, Madrid, easily. Like, honestly, come on. It, it, it has to be. Uh, and Olympiakos. And, yeah, with that, safe to say, going to uh, round number four, which is the second game of the second round of the week. And we have... Yeah, yeah we... Oh, yeah. Exactly. Is it, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tough card to pick from. Um Thursday night, I'd probably say my, my pick of the games might be Zenit Bayern, but there's not a lot to choose from there. Um, yeah, I'll go Zenit Bayern. Okay, so and then I'll pick Bayern to win, Fener, Basconia. I think Basconia will get the first win against Berlin. And then I'm going to go, unfortunately, for my co-host, I'm going to go with Asvel against Maccabi. But when you go to the Friday evening, Friday evening is a bit more exciting. And my game to watch there is probably Milano Efes because if Efes don't get a win there, they might hit the dreaded panic button. 
they, they might panic. And I know we said it's early in the season, blah, blah, blah. I could see Asphalt getting something against FS, maybe. And if FS don't come out with this double game week with two wins, panic time. Panic time. But no, I'm going to take from the Friday night, Seska, Barca, Olympiacos, Milano, Real Madrid. Brave you are. Okay. Honestly, when you talked about Maccabi, to me, it was like, I'm pretty sure that they will have a one-and-one weekend, like week. Okay. But I was more thinking of if they're going to drop a game, it's going to be the game with Milan. So let's just have yeah. it on record. Um, but, um, you know, the games to watch, essentially, on round number four, and your league is, is moving forward real fast. Um, I'd say Zenit Byron, because Zenit, we, we need to see them bouncing back, essentially, from the game versus Cheska. And Chavi, Trinchieri, you know, I cannot oversell this game, I think. At least that's on the Thursday card. You know, the Friday card, this is something straight up from the, uh, you know, Milano FS kind of thing. Easy, easy peasy. So, as for my picks, let's do this. I'm feeling so uncomfortable thinking <laughs> for these games, but I'm just kidding. Uh, Zenit, you know what? Let's say Unix wins this one. Bold, okay, bold. Listen, I think they legit have the better talent. I think that they have, you know, they managed to at least start understanding who they are in the first couple of games. So why not? I mean, I, I can see that happening. Um, okay, okay, I'm with you. Plus, you know, we both have our concerns about Fenner. Yeah, yeah. Basconia. Yeah, this one, I'm, I'm come on, it's, again, Alba Berlin. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, okay. I just can't, I can't believe you picked them to win twice in the same week. I think you're just trying to eat for free in the Basque country for the rest of your life. But okay, yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know, no, it's not that. Come on. You really want to tell me you don't see them being able to do both? Yeah, no, I, I cannot. I, I've watched a lot of them between EuroLeague and ACB, and I have to say it's painful. I can't see them. I cannot see a two-win a two week for our friends from Vittoria yesterday's. And just because of the competition, I am tempted to change, like, you know, Pasconia, Panathinaikos. But in the meantime, you know, they, they just have the better offensive uh, scheme than, than I'd say Berlin, because Berlin, Alba has been struggling on the offensive end for sure, like two games in a row. It's, it, it's evident they have a problem there. So actually, Maccabi would get the win versus as well. I'm, I'm more confident of this than the one against Milan. Uh, okay. Cheska going to struggle, but get the win. Barcelona. Yeah, it's a tough week for Monaco. It's a tough, tough week for Monaco. Yeah, Jagueris. What? <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> Olympiacos, yes. <laughs> Nine times today and like even 10 on here straight out of Sunday. Shit. They'll, they'll take this win easily. Um, yeah. Oof, Milan, Efes. Two age teams, two of them having to get the win. Yikes. Uh, let's go with Anadolu. Just I trust them more. I trust them more. Okay. And Real Madrid. So there's okay. that. And with that, our uh, two and a half hour long show. Sight? No, we didn't make that uh, that that milestone. Hell no. Uh, because if we did, I'm gonna have a whole lot of work, and it's a double rounder, so we don't wanna. Uh, but it's time to say our goodbyes, hoping that Emmett will reach Belgrade eventually by you know the the fifth round. Might be easier for him. Emmett, FYI, flights would have been easier. Just saying. Um, and with that... Yeah, based on the current weather, I think he's more likely to get a canoe outside my house in Scotland. Ooh, that, so, that's, that's, on. With that, we say goodbye. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you know that Iberia like lost his luggage once, so maybe it's not that good of an idea for him to fly. But yeah, it is time to say goodbye. So, uh, Louis, where they can, where can they find you? You can find me always on Twitter at halfplenty. And you can always find Emmett at the various media outlets and social media platforms of Bond Europe. And Ari's doing his thing on his at R Barkus on Twitter and you know your hoops is and you know with that you can always find me at I'm Team Scout and at Moses B1 on Twitter, Moses B1 on Instagram, the Facebook page of Team Scout, and the website itself of teamscout.net. That for the life of me, I swear I will update soon. And yeah, it is time to say till next time. Great pass from Diamantidis. The lob is done. go. 40 minutes to a title. Drives inside, looks for the outfield! Oh! Corey Higgins just exploding! EuroLeague Sweet 16, exactly what you need.